So welcome to this week's Trend Signal Trading Podcast. Uh, it's a podcast that gives a lively run through the markets, what to look out for, and how to improve your trading as well. My name is Adrian Boothy. I'm the head of trading here at Trend Signal. Now, usually I'm joined with Jerry Miller, but he's having a bit of well-deserved R&R. He's over in Australia at the moment. Uh, so you're stuck with just me, I'm afraid to say. But don't fear, because there's lots of content for us to get into. We're going to be talking about the market moving on to new highs, uh, sort of swatting off the coronavirus. We're going to talk a little bit about Trump's impeachment. We're going to talk about China pumping $173 billion into the economy. We're going to be looking at the markets. What are the key support and resistance levels to look out for for this week? What are the key economic announcements to look out for for this week? What's going to be driving that movement there? And we're also in our defining section, uh, defining trading section. We're going to take a look at support and resistance. I know it sounds a bit dull, but you know what? It's a fantastic way of helping to identify key levels from which the markets can have significant movement and movement means opportunity. So let's get into it, shall we? Uh, And we'll start off with what do we know? So here we give a bit of a run through of what's happened over the last um, last week or so. um, And uh, well, I guess to some extent how we could have known about it before the event. But basically, Global markets <clears throat> last week uh, recovered from really their previous week's losses. Uh, you might remember last week's podcast, we talked about the coronavirus. We talked about the U.S. equity market taking a bit of a bath. Actually, we've recovered dramatically. I uh, say we, they, over the other side of the pond. Um, and the Dow hit new all-time highs and the S&Ps hit new all-time highs as well. Probably a little bit stronger on the S&Ps uh, there. So, um, you know, big, big recoveries, uh, actually. Um, all Although analysts are still sort of talking about a significant impact on global growth, China being an element of concern. And we're going to talk about, you know, the movements there and we're going to talk about how the commodities have moved and so on a little bit later on. Interestingly, you know, a lot of the the, the fall in the equity markets was based on the coronavirus. uh, And there's been lots of comparisons with SARS virus back from 2003 um, because it's, you know, the most sort of recent big sort of virus. There are similarities there and so on. Just to give you an idea, to date, the total number of infected uh, is over 40,000, with a total number of fatalities now uh, at over 900. I was actually reading about it in this morning. I think it's a, I think it was a record high number of fatalities at about 90, 92 or something yesterday. But uh, interestingly, <clears throat> in terms of new cases, it is starting to stabilise a little bit. And that's all of adding to the, uh, I guess, the dismissing of it, if nothing else, uh, from the US equity market. Market. So, um, the, despite the mortality rates uh, approximately 2%, it's about a fifth of the SARS virus, um, but the number of fatalities has exceeded that of SARS due to the significantly higher number of infections. So, uh, there's just more of it, uh, basically, compared to SARS. And you know what? That had a big impact on the markets last week and the week before. Week before, big falls this week back up again. Uh, FTSE up 2.5% on the week, the Dow up 3% on the week, the S&P 500, the broad S&P 500 index uh, up 3.17% on the week, Uh, the DAX up 4.1% on the week, and the Nikkei up 2.68%. So very strong uh, on those global equity markets. And whilst the coronavirus threat uh, clearly remains, 
the US data on manufacturing really did help push uh, US indices higher as well. The ISM manufacturing PMI data posted a reading of 50.9, which is well above the consensus 48.5 and above the all important 50 level that indicates growth again in the sector. So that's really important. Uh, the week finished with a surprisingly strong non-farm payroll number. Let's have a quick look at that. Um, ba -ba -ba -ba, where are we here? Uh, so last week, uh, non-farm employment change, non-farm payroll, it certainly has a few names really, but we're expecting um, a consensus of 163,000 jobs being created. It came in at 225,000, very much uh, stronger than expected. Um, and you would think all other things being equal, uh, good for the dollar. Um, as far as equities are concerned, uh, well, you know, we, let's have a quick look at the charts uh, and see where we were. Big movement down really on Friday there from the Dow, uh, from the S&Ps, uh, really making uh, a, a rise in interest rates uh, more likely, which might slow things down a little bit uh, there. So um, anyway... We also found at the same time, um, the other reason for pullback on Friday could certainly be as well, a bit of profit taking into the weekend. You know, a lot of stuff can potentially come out over the weekend and people get a bit nervous about that. If you think about one, two, three, four big days in a row there off those lows from the big sell off on Monday. You know, anyone who bought down here, they might be thinking, Do you know what, that's a gift. I might take that um, into the weekend. So a little bit of profit taking there potentially uh, really too. Um, as for uh, other news, uh, the, uh, the People's Bank of China uh, pumped $173 billion uh, into the Chinese economy to bolster growth in the wake of the uh, spreading coronavirus epidemic. And despite the central bank action and more encouraging global data, global markets remain very nervous as the coronavirus infection rate accelerates. And many Chinese businesses are still focused, uh, sorry, still closed following the extended bank holiday following the Chinese New Year. However, the Chinese administration are keen for businesses to reopen soonest as the likely hit to growth increases. What's interesting there is uh, that there is an argument that the spread of the coronavirus has been somewhat subdued by the holiday season in China as everyone goes back to work a lot more traveling again potentially there a lot more commuting and people out of their homes uh, will we start to see the infection rate go up a little bit you know time will tell uh, other big news uh, last week uh, Trump was uh, acquitted uh, in his in his impeachment trial Maybe that was seen as a positive uh, to the markets, although um, you'd have to argue, and we've talked about this in recent sessions, that, that actually um, it was highly unlikely that he was actually going to be prosecuted anyway, or, and be, because... It needed a bit of a swing. Uh, it's a largely Republican Senate. Um, I say largely, they have a majority. They needed, I think, seven Republicans to vote against Trump. Uh, as it turns out, it was only one, uh, Mitt Romney. Um, and uh, anyway, you know, that's that. It's uh, it's done and uh, we move on, uh, I guess. Currency-wise, Euro-dollar um, down 151 pips, 1.36%. Sterling dollar down 320 pips, that's 2.42%. And dollar-yen up 135 um, and that's up 1.25%. So a strong week uh, for the dollar. Uh, positive US data really did help it uh, to one of its best weeks in the last um, few months there. Sterling weakened uh, more than most as 
Johnson's um, uh, aggressive approach to upcoming trade negotiations increases the risk of troubles ahead. Uh, it, it was always going to be difficult, let's face it. But, you know, out of that volatility does create certain amounts of opportunity there. Uh, Commodity-wise, it's been interesting as well. Last week, we saw uh, the likes of uh, crude oil um, take a bit of a bit of a hit. UK crude, that's Brent uh, crude, that's over from the Middle East, uh, was down 3.5%. U.S. oil down 1%, so much stronger there. So Brent crude down $2, uh, U.S. oil only down 50 cents. So uh, quite a significant difference there, actually. Gold uh, down 20 bucks, that's only about 1.25%. And you could say, given the movement in the equity markets, that's quite a modest uh, pullback, actually. And I, I, I probably think that uh, copper uh, copper moved up, uh, actually. We went we're up 1.3%. Uh, uh, over the period of time. While we're talking about copper, a bit of a bellwether for the Chinese economy, has a huge influence on the Australian economy as well. All markets are very much stuck in a downward spiral as gloom, of gloom as price slumps uh, of more than 20% from the peak in early January, indicating a technical bear market, which is uh, something we discussed in previous um, uh, podcasts. Uh, OPEC are considering dramatic supply cuts to bolster prices as the cartel seeks to protect members' interests. The main beneficiary likely to be the US, which now leads as the world's biggest producer. Uh, the turnaround in markets last week inevitably hit safe haven assets such as gold, with, which fell in knee-jerk style to the recovery in global stock markets. We can have a quick look at gold uh, here. Certainly uh, not had the moves to the same extent as uh, the uh, the indices there, but certainly a big pullback towards the beginning of the week uh, there. What was that uh, Tuesday when the equity markets really started to to move there? But uh, but interestingly, they've both been rising whilst the, the markets have been rising. It's not perfectly correlated uh, there. Um, copper recovered slightly. Let's have a quick look at copper as well. Um, I need to just add it in, I would think. Bear with me a second. So you can see copper there recovering a touch there by Sniper uh, with the trend um, from a couple of days ago. <clears throat> if you're looking at it on the chart there, but otherwise a massive sell-off. Really not had the recovery that one might have expected perhaps, um, but certainly uh, positive at this stage. Uh, not really denting the significant losses though of uh, uh, previous uh, two or three weeks. Okay, so we've done the run through of last week. What about for the week ahead? Uh, what don't we know yet, uh, I guess, really being uh, the question. Let's have a quick look through uh, the main events for the week ahead. Let's just go back to our uh, economic calendar uh, and let's just have a look at what we need to be looking out for there. So um, a few bits kicking around, uh, really. Um, uh, that's last week. Let's look at this week. Um, sorry, Monday, absolutely nothing. When I say nothing, when we look at the filter, look at the high impact items, those red items there on the Forex factory site there. So really not, sort of nothing doing there. Um, Japan, bank holiday uh, tomorrow um, there. But uh, in the UK, fourth quarter GDP, we're expecting a 0% uh, there, a flat number. Uh, GDP data is always backward looking and this data release is particularly less relevant as it largely covers the troubled period uh, in the run up to the the general election so sort of an element of 
discounting it uh, to a certain extent. And that sort of feels a little bit like that when we had our interest rate decision last week. Um, uh, was it the week before? It sort of gets all lost in the mists of time, really, that sort of let's just wait and see uh, how it goes, really. Um, in the US, uh, we've got the Federal Reserve, Jay Powell, chairman, um, starting his two-day semi-annual testimony before Congress on monetary policy. Dollar and equities are sensitive to any surprise, uh, surprises, re-rate moves. You know, not really likely to get that, but uh, any rate move per se. But people will be listening to the to the tone, the language that's going to be said over the next uh, couple of days. Bank of England's Carney um, is testifying to the House of Lords Economic Affairs Committee. And again, this is likely to be uh, sterling sensitive as well. So maybe some movement uh, going on there. Moving through to Wednesday, uh, probably one of the biggest items for the week is the Royal Bank of New Zealand's a monthly policy meeting uh, where they're looking to... Um, uh, make a decision on what they do with interest rates. Obviously, interest rates have been one of the uh, major um, items they have in their their arsenal, in their armory, whatever the expressions are, um, to control uh, money, to control inflation. Um, so they are typically big numbers. This one will be coming out at one o'clock in the morning. That's Wednesday morning. That's Tuesday night. Uh, obviously, so keep an eye out for that. Not expecting any change uh, there. So looking to stay at 1%. But there's a statement as well. So always be aware about what's happening in the statement. Are they putting more guidance out for more cuts, uh, for rises, whatever? you know that's what people are really listening to is what's said and what that's likely to mean are you going to be trading at one o'clock in the morning anyway probably not um, but it'd be interesting for the following day that's for sure certainly be a little bit aware about New Zealand dollar trades that you might have open into Tuesday night's close um, uh, well, obviously, later on the day, we've got uh, Jay Powell's uh, second day of his uh, testimony. Thursday, uh, core CPI, that's an inflationary number, consumer price index there. Um, that's important because that's the main measure uh, that central banks use in order to use uh, monetary policy, um, so such as interest rate change. Um, in the US, it's a little bit different because they look at inflation, plus they also look at unemployment. Um, you know, in the UK and most other central banks, uh, they're looking just at inflation, but in the US, it's inflation and employment. That's why non-farm payroll is seen as such an important number uh, in the US. Um, risk remains skewed to the downside in the wake of the coronavirus uh, and the slump in commodity prices as well. They're expecting a forecast of uh, 0.2% inflation there over the period. Um, and then finally, on Friday, retail sales, um, expecting a bit of a pullback from uh, January's stronger number, looking at 0.3% for core and for sort of standard retail sales as well. These are both sort of important numbers, CPI and retail sales. So if you're day trading that, trading those short-term charts, just be aware of those data points there. You don't really want to be in positions over those data points. So you want to be in before them. Usually a little bit flatter coming into it, not a huge amount going on there. We wait for the number and that's when a lot of rejigging of the portfolios tend to come in. So from the hedge funds, pension funds and so on you know, as required. So what you do normally get there is movement, which can create opportunity for short term day traders as well. So it's it's about what happens just after 1.30 um, that really is a, a little bit more interesting. In other news. 
What to look out for next week? We're still, um, you know, buried knee deep into fourth quarter earnings uh, in the US as 70 uh, of the S&P 500 uh, reporting this week. Noticeable ones including Kraft Heinz, PepsiCo, uh, Cisco and AIG. So we'll keep our pencils sharp. And for those, if you run a a US stock portfolio, be aware uh, of what's going out there. It does tend to lead to, um, you know, some movement uh, in the markets as a bit of a shock announcements can tend to come out so be aware of that maybe risk uh, manage accordingly Um, but that's it really uh, for the week not a huge amount there but there are a few bits to keep our uh, get our teeth into uh, very much so so in this week's What Should We Be Trading, we're going to take a look at the markets that have been moving around for us uh, over the last few days. Let's look at a few potential opportunities uh, and let's see really what's going on, uh, I suppose. So let's just bring my charts in uh, and we'll start off with a look at those US indices. Buy the Dips was the name of the uh, the podcast today and you can see why a ridiculous move back uh, with the US 30. You can see on the chart here if you're looking at it on the video side of it. But obviously, you know, we've gone from a move down from a lows of uh, 28 200 let's say up to 29 500 uh, in just three or four days that is a significant rally uh, there and it just goes to show um, and just goes to reiterate that point of you know where else are people supposed to be putting their money you know there's there is no alternative Tina, uh, people have been talking about for a long time, and it just happened to be the case again. As soon as there was a, a merest hint that the coronavirus was under control and Trump was going to uh, be acquitted and China putting a bit of bit of capital in to boost the economy, hey, it's okay, business back as usual, and you saw then massive move back into the market there, and uh, uh, we saw the same thing with the S&Ps uh, for obvious reasons, Dow being 30 of the biggest uh, stocks in the US, uh, the S&Ps being the 500 biggest stocks in the US, they're going to move in a similar kind of way, um, and uh, yeah, very, very strong, a bit of a pullback on Friday there, but uh, by and large, uh, a very, very strong move. And it does make it difficult uh, to want to uh, short this market. And this is the funny thing. We talk about bear markets. We talk about corrections and all that sort of stuff. You know, when this market does have a big sell-off and people are talking about it being next year or whatever, who knows when it's going to be, it's going to be quite hard to be on it um, for the massive move. Because, yeah, you'll identify the turns like this and maybe you'll take a, you know, decent proportion out of that move how easy is it going to be to ride it all the way down when it has that 20% correction that's going to be pretty challenging because of the number of times where it's looked the same but hasn't had this that degree of a fall but all we can do is take it one trade at a time and play the probabilities so when we have sell trades like this uh, one we saw on the 23rd of January you know it led to a 7 or 8% fall or whatever it was I can't remember exactly what the percentages were but it was a nice enough opportunity and you play the probability that's what are more likely to happen than expecting that big 20% fall and just take what's available to you realistically. Anyway, um, dollar uh, was a bit of a mover last week. Let's have a look at um, dollar Swiss. There's a few continuation trades, uh, a few snipers uh, as well. We've talked about dollar Swiss a little bit in recent weeks. Um, you know, and, and, and really the thing to, to note here on this chart is uh, is about looking at the trend. You know, big strong downtrend on this market there. You can see those arrows on the left-hand side of the chart pointing down, suggesting the path of least resistance is down until it starts to reverse back the other way. And that's something that we saw. I did a video on this last week talking about the buying opportunity from the 6th of February and it's moving really nicely 
in our direction so far. Now, pip-wise, you're not going to get fat trading uh, dollar Swiss. Percentage-wise, it's fine, but it's just it's not like 500 pips or anything like that on a trade. It just doesn't move that fast. Um, but then the stops are much tighter, tighter anyway. But the point being is that we had that move uh, down. We, we hit that low on the 10th of January. That was a new low from a from a lower high, you know, and so on. As we then rallied up against the longer term trend, we had a buy sniper against the trend. It's a slightly higher risk opportunity because it's against the longer term direction of the market. We talked about that in a lot of videos of late. And that led to a nice rise, but crucially, it led to a higher high. So the high from the 29th of uh, January took out the high uh, from the 10th of January. So higher high, then the market started to go back again formed a base again around the 31st of Jan, 3rd of February, which was ended up being a higher low. So the low from the, uh, what was that, 31st of January was higher than the low from the, it wasn't the 10th of January, it was the 16th of January, my mistake. The point being, we're starting to see a new pattern, higher low and a higher high, or rather a higher high than a higher low. And then we started to break back up again, giving us that buy sniper. So in terms of context, the patterns are suggesting a reversal. We've since that buy, then moved on to new recent highs for dollar Swiss, and the trade moving on in the right direction. That's a similar sort of thing that's going on on a number of those other uh, markets there. For example, dollar yen, a good move as well. There's been some great sniper trades in recent days, but again, you're seeing a similar sort of pattern. This was a buy continuation trade, back from the 4th of January just a few days ago and it's moved on really nicely and once more you're not expecting massive moves you know the ATR of dolly yen is only like 47 points it's not a huge fast moving market so you've got to take out of it what you can do you see but look what you've got there again you saw the movement high the buy back from what the 8th 9th of January that led to a new high a higher high then it pulled back giving us a sell sniper that led that to then down to the 31st of January, a higher low, and then that gave us a buy. So the patterns are again doing the same sort of thing. When we talk about chart patterns, sometimes it's horribly complicated. People get into all sorts of weird and wonderful detail. I don't. I like to just keep it nice and simple. Are we showing higher highs, higher lows? If we are, then it's really identifying a change in that direction. Or the trend could be uh, adjusting the other way. So like here, we're long anyway, right? As a buy continuation trade, it meets the three rules for a buy. But the context-wise as well, it's on the back of a nice strong chart pattern. Higher high higher low, giving us a nice potential opportunity from there. And that's one that I took and it did the ATR. Okay, maybe we'd expect a bit more than that. And it's just stabilizing at the moment, but it's done the ATR, which is really, you know, the main thing that you'd expect out of a move like that. Uh, the ATR, the average true range, that's a range that's a typical movement on a daily's candle between the high and the low. That's not the exact definition, but it's, but it's close enough for today's purpose. Um, also looking at euro dollar again I did a video about this uh, on the day during the day of the 6th of February which I put out on YouTube as uh, identifying calling the sell trade uh, there you may well have seen it you may not have done have a look on the YouTube channel if you haven't um, and uh, just search trend signal on YouTube and you can see the similar sort of thing you know you're looking at the downtrend there look at the arrow on the left hand side of the chart that's pointing down longer term uh, we are expecting these markets to move to new lows so lower highs lower lows lower highs 
lower lows and so on. See, you got a buying opportunity here, but the chart pattern was down. It was against that arrow. So it's against the longer term of the trend of the market. What this basically means is that you are expecting a sort of a smaller move. You're expecting a move like this. Okay. And whilst you can get moves back up against that trend, hopefully if you're, if you're seeing this on YouTube or you're seeing this on a blog site, or if you're seeing this live, um, then what you're going to see is the movement back up. Okay. That's likely to be small up because it's against the longer term trend of the market. I always like to talk in football terms. It's a bit like Liverpool losing one game and then they're more likely to then go on and win the next run of games. This is the sort of thing. That's the, the loss. It was against the normal direction. And then the market's going to go back to the way it was before and moving back down alongside those longer term trends on the left hand side there. Do you see? So it's about harmonizing with the market. And uh, we see you see that really quite clearly uh, on the charts. We had what we call a sell continuation trade on what was that Thursday uh, evening there. And already it's done the ATR objective. So it's a nice move um, for us or maybe just shy of the ATR. But it's a nice move to begin with uh, and very much on the right side of us. So interesting trading opportunities on um, uh, the dollar, um, dollar Swiss, dollar yen, euro dollar, pound dollar. There's lots of those movements around as well. Uh, another one I wanted to look at uh, was something we, we, we touched on earlier, which was copper. Big move down and potential opportunity to buy uh, really from here. Now, this may not be for everybody. Copper isn't for everybody. This takes up quite a lot of margin um, and it's also a bit complicated in terms of its trade size as well. And it's not the market we start our new traders off on. But interestingly, given the context, it's, it's really is a play on how you feel about China. If you feel that, you know, the coronavirus, sorry, that the coronavirus is contained, then look, if the market then fell dramatically because it was uncontained, if it then starts to be contained again, you'd expect a bit more of a rally, wouldn't you, really? And particularly since China's then pumping 137 billion or whatever it is into the economy to negate any negative effects here. So, you know, really, there's a, a lot of potential for this market to move up if that coronavirus uh, becomes contained. If it doesn't, if suddenly it outbreaks a little bit more, then you look to see this market move to new lows. But interestingly, it is giving us an opportunity there. There was a buy a couple of days ago. We're small down on it at the moment, but as I said, it's high risk. It's not something that our newer traders are on. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll see how it um, pans out over the coming days, won't we? Uh, but for now, really the movement, you're looking in the dollar, you're looking in those US indices, uh, and you're looking potentially keep your eye out on those commodities as well. Well, particularly if they start to restrict supply, you might start to see oils start to give us some buying opportunities too. Always be a little bit careful with oil. Keep your trade size low because it is quite a volatile market, but keep your pencil sharpened there. But that's it, uh, really. That's uh, for our uh, market review. Uh, so keep an eye out, please. Uh, so in this week's Defining Trading, uh, we're going to have a look at, um, well, support and resistance. And before you start rolling your eyes and thinking, oh, God, um, we'll keep it kind of brief uh, today. What I'd like to do is sort of go through things for just a couple of minutes, really, just to give you an idea about why it even exists, really, in the first place. And to do that, we're going to take a look at a chart. Um, if you are just listening to this on SoundCloud or, um, or Spotify, it's fine. We'll try and make it as uh, uh, illustrative as possible just from, uh, from what I'm saying. 
saying. So I'm just going to bring in my charts uh, here. And we've got a chart here for the pound against the US dollar. So what is support? What is resistance? It's really a function of the way in which the market moves at certain levels. Uh, and the, the idea is being that, that the markets or patterns repeat themselves. The market has a, a memory. market has a history. And when the market returns to certain prices where reactions have taken place before, uh, then you perhaps expect that to happen again. So to give you an example, if you look back at a chart from pound against the US dollar back from the end of October and November and early part of December. It's quite a big resistance level. We use pivot points. We've got our own pivot points here at Trendsill that identify those really clearly. You've got a level of around 129.50 number of levels where the market kept hitting that level, stopping in its tracks, and then going back down again. Then it rallied again in the middle of November, hit it, stopped in its tracks, and then went back down again. It's a bit like the price resistance, a bit like the price hitting the ceiling, and then stopping and then coming back down again to the floor. Do you see? The idea of it is, is that. And then sometimes it'll break through resistance, like it did in the beginning of December, uh, powered through it, a bit like it's smashing through the ceiling as prices then move on uh, to higher prices. Now, you'll get the similar sort of thing to the downside, hitting the floor, hitting the floor, hitting the floor, bouncing, hitting the floor, bouncing like a bouncing ball. But sometimes if you throw something through the floor hard enough, well, at the floor, hard enough, it will go through the floor and it'll break lower. Again, we saw that just literally a couple of days ago with prices starting to break below that 129.50. So what was support uh, resistance now becoming support. Don't worry about the technical side of it at this stage. Let's just get an idea about why it actually occurs. It's a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy in a way. Let's think about it this way. When you're looking about foreign exchange, you're thinking about shares. You know, it could be that there's just a big institutional order. Uh, maybe, um, you know, a share price is going up to 500p and you've got a big institution, a pension fund, hedge fund, something like that, who says, right, I want to unload my shares in company X at 500 pence. So he's got an order with his broker who's going to do that. Maybe he's got a massive order working in the market, or maybe his broker's just going to start massaging the orders in whilst it gets to a that sort of price trying to get around 500 pence whatever it is the point really being is that you can get a build-up of selling pressure at certain levels why because maybe somebody wants to offload stock maybe somebody wants to buy a load of stock and someone's thinking about maybe buying a company and says right just buy me whatever buy me 50 million find me a couple of billion what I don't know uh, of a particular stock um, but around this sort of price so anytime the price goes down to that level it starts hitting it and it starts hitting those buy orders because somebody out there is trying to buy or someone or something is trying to buy huge chunks of that stock. So it's stopping the price from going down. So that's on an institutional level. Uh, and then, of course, as a self-fulfilling prophecy, the more people start talking about support and resistance and so on, uh, the more of a thing it actually then becomes, I guess, the more technical it becomes. So, you know, what you have is people start looking at support, it's looking at resistance, setting their orders off it uh, and start selling order, selling just because we're hitting resistance or buying just because we're hitting supports. And that all adds to the, the movement of the market around those sorts of levels. Why does price then burst through support and burst through resistance, well, eventually you're going to get to a point where there is no selling pressure left. Maybe that guy who's trying to sell all that stock, uh, like we're talking about here on sterling dollar, or he's trying to buy that company, he needs to buy a loads of pounds. Maybe he's trying to buy a UK company, he needs to buy sterling instead of uh, and selling dollars to do so. Gets to a point where he's just got to keep pay paying higher prices, unfortunately, because there isn't enough sellers there to buy at the price that he wants. So he's got to keep buying at higher prices. 
that's eventually going to push it above support. Why does it then often accelerate as it moves through? Well, let's think about stop losses, okay? Because if the market has a previous uh, number of times it's hit this level, like this 129.50, then the obvious thing for people to do is put their stop loss above 129.50, above 130, something like that, like we're seeing from the end of October, early November. What then happens is, Everyone's short, people are short at that level, and as it takes out that high, as that price surges on higher through those, those short trades, they have what's called buy stops. You're going to buy your trade back to close it. So they're buy orders. So then, as the price rises, all those sell orders are triggered, suddenly then actioning a load more buy trades, which then hits the market pushes prices violently faster sometimes uh, and that's why you see a lot of movement suddenly very quickly as markets break key support and break key resistance. Why is this useful? It's useful to know because markets do have these memories. You can look at any chart, particularly using these trend signal charts when you've got these pivot points there. Markets will almost always have a big reaction off these numbers. Find a level of support, um, find a level of resistance that you could then make your trading decisions based on, do you see? So it's useful because it helps traders be uh, timely in their decision making. It helps them identify good areas, good zones to buy, good zones to sell, whether that's entering trades, whether that's closing trades and taking profits. Um, you know, so it is a, a, an important way of trading, already adding to your decision making process. You know, for me, um, you know, I, I go through per periods where, you know, some, you know, I don't tend to use it too much. For example, when I'm just trading with the longer term trend, I don't worry about support and resistance too much there because I'm just focusing on the longer term trends. When I'm going against the longer term trend of the market, I will use things like support and resistance to help me time trading opportunities. Uh, so for an example, I think there was one, uh, was it New Zealand yen a few weeks ago? Uh, yeah. So uh, there was a sell trade here pretty standard sell trade uh, against the longer term trend of the market. But why was it interesting? Because it rejected that uh, resistance level there. So it hit it, rejected it and so on. So we can use support and resistance to give us context, maybe to give us buy sell trades in their own right, but also to give us context so that when we see our trade, we can see that it, oh yes, it's a nice looking trade and it has also rejected resistance, which is adding to its probability that it'll be a successful trade. It's becoming more confident in my eyes that this is a good trade to take um, and therefore uh, more likely to take it, do you see? Um, and it doesn't have to be a lot more complicated than that. But that's it really. Um, and that's it for today's uh, defining trading. Uh, now, everybody, the action doesn't just stop there. If you want to tune into more uh, live trading events, um, then uh, where we actually teach you a strategy, then get yourself booked in for one of our events we've got this week. We do three events a week, typically, uh, where we go through and teach a one of our favorite trading strategies. It's called the Sniper Strategy. Uh, we call it the three simple steps, learning three simple rules to boost your trading. It's really about how we identify simply, confidently turning points in the market for FX indices and commodities. If you get yourself attending one of those sessions, you can also get an opportunity to be invited to our advanced uh, trading uh, seminars and webinars as well. So get yourself booked in, make sure you attend and we'll teach you that strategy. You need to go to bit.ly bit.ly slash learn TS. Let me give you that URL again uh, or that web link again bit.ly bit.ly slash learn TS. 
What you can also do um, as well is access the Trend Signal Trading Podcast uh, in a variety of different mediums, guys. It's not just um, during our live uh, cast, but also you can watch it on our website, uh, on our blog page. You can listen to it on Apple. You can listen to it on uh, uh, so iTunes, that is. You can listen to it on SoundCloud, Spotify, and watch and listen on YouTube. Priority access is on our website, trend-signal.com slash trendsignal-blog. So trend-signal.com slash trendsignal-blog. Um, and uh, yeah, and for more videos and stuff like that, go to our YouTube page. Uh, just search for Trend Signal on the YouTube platform and you see loads of educational trading videos uh, that's going to help you become a better trader as well. So get yourself dialed in, subscribe, like, comment, whatever it is you want to do. Have a great week's trading though. So for myself and the rest of the Trend Signal team, hopefully we'll see you at one of our events this week. But otherwise, have a great week's trading. Bye bye for now.